Okay, so let's pray. Father, we just once again humble ourselves um, before your holy word and um, that um, we might know your paths and, and your truth and um, that we might be more and more dependent upon you. And just as, as we look at this, just the, the glory and the majesty of the Lord Jesus is just uh, overwhelming. And so it just comes out in your scriptures. And so we just pray for your leading today, that my words could be your words, Father, and that you would shepherd us through uh, these scriptures so that we might truly know more about you and be able to walk after you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I already told you the title. Another title could be the Alpha and the Omega, which is the Lord Jesus that we'll see in Revelation, a couple of verses. Uh, but he's also the Alpha and the Omega of creation. And uh, these verses really bring that out. He has a preeminent role in creation, not just as the agent of creation, but he's the active source of sustaining uh, order in the universe. Um, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Um, so the texts, really it's sort of a tripod of, of uh, the three passages um, that really bring out his, his um, divine role in creation. Uh, there's a passage in John right at the beginning, John 1, 1 to 3, um, and in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, just to give you a little preview here, and in Hebrews um, 1 as well. So we'll hit some other passages as we go, but those are really the foundation of what I would like us to go through uh, this morning. So if you turn first to John 1, So what I'd like to do is we'll just read the passage first, and then I'll hit some of the highlights of what the words mean in the Greek. And sometimes the New American Standard, at least, is very, very close. Sometimes there's a little bit of amplification uh, when we look at the Greek words. Um, and then, you know, so we'll look at some of those words, and then we'll sort of summarize them. We'll go on to the next, uh, next passage. So John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, or this one, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by or through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And just down to verse 14, although it's not listed there, uh, down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You can't read those first three verses without at least looking at verse 14, because he became flesh and came to, to, give, to provide us salvation. Uh, notice that uh, the first three words, in the beginning. What's that like? Genesis 1. Thanks. There's one beating heart in here. I mean, if we had gotten that wrong, I just would have quit. <laughs> We've been all through this pain, and we can't get that right. So, in the beginning, 
Um, so that's fascinating. That's really the same wording that we see in Genesis 1. And the word here is, is a capital W. What does that mean? It's a person. It's a personal, personal pronoun. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And as if we didn't know this was a person, he, uh, this one, Jesus, was in the beginning. Uh, so he had this pre-creation, eternal existence. And we see a little bit of that in Genesis 1, where um, uh, I'm not going to turn to it, but what, when he talks about, maybe it's 2, where he talks about, let us make man in our image. So that's the Trinity. So Jesus was present there at the creation, creation of man and the creation of everything. Um, so let's, let's look at a couple of these words. The um, word for beginning is arche or archi, beginning, uh, the original or origin. Uh, I told you sometimes they don't give you a lot more than what I mean, I want a lot more stuff there, but that's it. it it's the beginning. It's sort of self-defined. Uh, and, and lots of times these, these meanings transcend any language differences, like between the Greek and the Hebrew. And so um, this word is from the word archo, which is a primitive verb or a primary verb, to rule, to begin, proceed, which is interesting because the beginning here is related to rule. It's not just a timestamp. There's something deeper there. It comes from a word that means uh, to rule, like from the beginning. Um, the word, we could spend the rest of the time on this, you know, who, who the word is, but the word uh, in the Greek is logos, and it's um, a word embodying uh, an idea like divine reason implicit in the cosmos, um, ordering it and, uh, and giving it form and meaning. Um, so the word active in creation, which we already knew, um, there's a lot more. Um, the, um, I've been using uh, some uh, of John MacArthur's commentaries, and he talks a little bit about this. Um, the, um, again, this is the same phrase in the beginning we, where we started as Genesis 1-1, but, but um, the eternal preexistence of the Word, which is Jesus Christ. Um, and um, the Word was with God. The Word, as the second person of the Trinity, was in, in intimate fellowship with God the Father throughout all eternity. Yet, although the Word enjoyed the splendors of heaven and eternity with the Father, He willingly gave up His heavenly status uh, to come to us. And so the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, capital W again, had all the essence and attributes of deity. Jesus the Messiah was fully God. Even in His incarnation, when He emptied Himself, He did not cease to be God. Um, and all things were made through him, which we read. Uh, Jesus Christ was God the Father's agent uh, of creation, uh, involved in creating everything uh, in the universe. So the word. Um, God, the word for God here is uh, theos, which again is a primitive word. God as the divine creator um, and, uh, or divine being, again, pretty much self-defined. You know, we can't give it a lot more illumination. Uh, it's not just a title. It's his 
very being, uh, God, the divine being. And uh, all things here, he created, uh, Jesus was involved in creating all things. That's the word pas, P-A-S, again, a primitive or primary word, which means all and everything. And some of the you know, commentaries and references I looked at, you can only define all or everything or all things in terms of what it's not. It's not nothing, which I thought was amazing. And, and really, when you, the hardest part of philosophy when you start talking about ontology or being, I mean, why does anything exist? We, we can't really get to the bottom of that. Um, so um, all things here as the minus of nothing, the negative of nothing. Um, and came into being. Again, here's that difficulty with being. Uh, that phrase, came into being, and apart from him, nothing came into being, that is, come into being. Uh, that's all one word in the Greek, came into being. And so um, it's, it's so fundamental, we can't really get uh, beyond this. One word to come into being, to happen, uh, to become, and uh, again, we can't even describe non-being, so how could we describe really what being is in its total essence? Only God can do that. And so um, that's why that one definition was the negative of nothing. And uh, by and through him, um, the, um, this, this uh, preposition is in, in the English really means uh, through the medium of or agency of, authority of, or according to, from the hand of or the mind of creativity. So by, it's just one little preposition, that two letters word. What does by mean? Well, through, through him. And apart from him, as it says, apart from him, um, nothing came into being that has come into being. Well, uh, this word apart in the, in the Greek is chorus, C-H-O-R-I-S, chorus, uh, separately or separate from. But the roots are interesting because um, the word, it comes from two words, kora, and, and another word, uh, from the base of another word, chasma, which is like chasm. So when it says apart here, it's really apart. And what comes to mind is the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. There's this infinite chasm that separates the two. And so that's what apart from here. So I guess that's, that's a really... Um, intense way to say, apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So he was involved in everything, and uh, you can't uh, make it any stronger than this, this chasm. Um, hey, Jim. Can I make an observation? Sure. And that there would be no process that would continue the creation, it's done. Apart from him, nothing. 
And so I think it's just re-emphasis, which, yeah. is, which is what you're saying, yeah. to make it very uh, definitive. Yeah. So that's John 1, 1 to 3. Um, sure. Oh, absolutely. Are you sure that's the right number, but, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's the right number. Okay. But that's the standard word was that we use. Mm-hmm. 3,474 times. The word that's translated was in this particular verse is a different word. And it actually means I am. It's the I am. And uh, it's only translated was in two verses. And it's always in reference to God. So it's really saying that he's the I am. You know, he is the I am. It's not a past tense was like the standard was in the rest of the Bible. It's a different was, you know? And that to me is so significant. Yeah, how could how could anybody question his deity when it relates back to the Old Testament? And tell him I am sent you. And you can't define it any more than that. Uh, I mean, the I am, exactly. That's a good point. No, that's key. How much it goes back to Genesis. It does. You know, the, the book of John is so much reflective of the book of Genesis. You know? Kind of starts Maybe. the same way. Well, thanks, Kevin. That was the one word I didn't do a word study on. So I'm, I'm glad you came today. Um, Jim, one more thing. Just sure. To complete the void is I think the word through because it says who is redeemed through Christ. Mm-hmm. Same thing, isn't it? Yeah, John Max says, all things were made through him. Jesus Christ was God the Father's agent involved in creating everything. Now, here we're talking about the universe, but also the, the author and source of our salvation. So, okay, good, good comments. So that's the John passage. Let's look over at Colossians 1, 15 through 17. I really wanted this to be exhaustive. It's just never going to be. I mean, I can't get past hitting just some of the highlights because there's so much depth here and a lot that I don't really understand where the bottom is of that. So um, Colossians 1. So we'll we'll look at the three passages and then have some uh, comments. If I was coordinated, I could be very good here. Okay, so this is Colossians 1, and actually I'll start at at verse 13. Um, And the the title, the subtitle here is The Incomparable Christ, which is, we already knew, that's what we were talking about. Um, So starting at verse 13, For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, that's why he came, and he gave us, just like you were saying, Linnell, he's the author of our salvation. But on top of that, and he is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So there's a lot in these couple of verses, um, and there's a lot that I've had to ponder for most of my life, and I'm not sure how much closer I am. But some of the things, if you, if you look at this in face value, they're pretty fascinating. Um, the, um, the word image here is icon, which is, I think, the best translation would be representation. Not just a picture or a likeness, but, but a full representation of the invisible, uh, unseen God. Not just a photo here, so icon. Um, he's the uh, firstborn, which is prototokos, which is firstborn, which that doesn't help us a lot. So I went to John Mack. And um, so the, um, the image of the invisible God, um, it means uh, representation or could be likeness. Jesus Christ is the perfect image, the exact likeness of God as in, as, and is in the very form of God and has been so from all eternity. Uh, the, the majesty here and the glory of, of the Lord Jesus it, it always strikes me in these verses. Paul emphasizes that he is both the representation and manifestation of God, thus he is fully God in, in, everywhere, in every way. The word um, firstborn, like we just started talking about, uh, it's not like he is one of the created beings here. Firstborn can refer to one who was born first chronologically, which he was. He was the first man in essence, even though in, on earth time he came after the first, the, the, the first man, Adam. So uh, it doesn't really, that doesn't really uh, fulfill this whole term. He wasn't first chronologically except in eternity, uh, but most often refers to preeminence in position or rank. Um, so that's, that's really what... Um, Firstborn here means the heir, the inheritor is another word. Um, the, um, the firstborn of all creation. And so creation, that word here is katesis, katesis, creation, the act or product uh, of something being made. And it's from another word, katizo, which means to build or create. A lot of help there, Greek, English, New Testament, um, and the word studies. But, I mean, it's, it's defined here, so you can't really illuminate that, uh, that anymore. Um, let's see. Um, and another little word for here. Um, For by him all things were created in verse 16. And that for, we don't want to just skip over that, kind of like what Kevin was talking about. What does for mean? Well, it um, means because of, uh, with the object or purpose of, or explanation. When you see that word for, what comes after it is an explanation. And that's what happens here. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth. Um, and um, 
all things, again, here is that same word, the negative of nothing. It's a pause. The word, um, again, a primitive or primary word, all or everything, uh, the, the uh, whole. Um, and, of course, we're created. It's, it's a past. It's, it's, it's completed, um, both in the heavens and on earth. We want to make sure we have the whole universe here. We just can't, this, this I think that Paul wanted to make the point through the Lord Jesus that this was the entire universe here. Um, and so um, the entire universe. Um, now, the visible and invisible. It's interesting that he says in the invisible too because that's, that's something that you would think a lot of the ancients, they only would deal with what's visible. No, there's an entire invisible universe. Whether you talk about the entire, you know, um, you know, electromagnetic spectrum or things that are unseen. I mean, the visible range that we see is very, very narrow, like we talked about a previous time. So the invisible is much, much greater, and lots going on in the invisible. And so uh, the invisible, and then he says weather. Okay, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. Now, what, what can this mean? Um, <clears throat> John Mack says that um, these are various categories of angels whom Christ created and rules over. I don't think that's complete. I think what's going on here is something much greater and much deeper. This is about the overall structure of the universe, uh, seen and unseen. Um, you know, um, you could draw, like, I'm not going to, Barb gets scared every time I go to the board, so I, I just have to give that up. But if you just imagine a throne, okay, there's the throne, and there's a dominion from that throne, which is authority or lordship. There are rulers that sit on the throne, uh, like the Lord Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father. And so, and then there are authorities that are um, exerted, the power to act from that, that throne that we see. And so then he says, all things. So this is the definition of all things. The overall structure uh, of uh, leadership and control from thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities, whether it's the, the spiritual world we're talking about here or the, the natural world where we'll see the Lord Jesus is upholding all things, uh, like we saw, uh, we've seen a little bit here. We'll see more in the Hebrews passage. And so um, that's the best way I can think about these terms. Yeah, Kevin. That, that brings to mind immediately Romans 8, 28. Yeah. All things work for the good of those, you know, that, that God is in control of all things, you know? He is. He's, he's either sovereign or he's not. Yeah. And we don't understand how that works with free will and stuff like that, but he does. But, but, but the ultimate end, he's sovereign. And, and so I, I, that's the best way to look at these verses is that this is the overall structure of the seen and unseen universe. Um, please don't tell anybody I differed with John Mack on, on this a little bit, but I'll, I'll talk to him, tell him that he needs to look at this again and study a little bit more. Um, I just think that's a better better picture rather than just a bunch of angels. You know, I think this is, he, he's talking about something that's, that's fundamental to the organization of the universe. 
thrones, dominions, in, in terms that he understands. Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. And that dash, all things. So that's somehow all things. Not just angels, all things. And so um, it, it's, it's an interesting part of this uh, passage. And uh, just going on, and he is, um, all things have been created by him and for him, uh, ultimately, and he is before all things. Why do you think it's important that he is before all things? The way I think about this uh, is, uh, you know, Francis Schaeffer had a term that he used throughout his books that I really appreciated, in the warp and woof. You know, have you all heard that before? The warp and woof. What does that mean? It is, exactly. It's, it's like being in the very weave of creation, where you have these threads, and then you have the cross threads. The warp and the woof are the cross threads, and it's woven. So what we're talking about is something that's, that's deeply woven. So if Jesus is to be in the weave of creation, which is what we're seeing in these verses, then he has to come before to be able to be at the foundation of that weave of nature, as if, if we could call it that. And so he's before all things. Um, that word um, pro, before, um, is a, again a sort of a primitive preposition, which means before or above, ahead of, in front of. And so he needed to be before, because he was from eternity anyway, he needed to be before creation to be in the warp and woof of the weave of creation. And in him, all things hold together. Uh, in him, within, within his very being, um, inclusion within space or limits, within, inside, uh, inner to, so it's within his being, all things hold together. That word hold together is one word in the Greek, sunestimai. And what it means is to consist or to hold together. So wait a minute. We can talk about particle physics all day long, but at the foundation of it, in the warp and woof, is the Lord Jesus who holds it all together. Um, he is the, the uh, agent, the power uh, that holds it all together. That word, hold together, is, is kind of interesting, uh, even from a physics standpoint, because it, it means uh, to stand near. So in, stand near in the sense of fields, like a gravitational field or magnetic field, to stand near. And so th these two words that hold together come from soon, which is with, and histemi, which is um, uh, to make, to stand. So together, what this means is to stand together with. And so there's a real sense of his, his foundation in nature is to hold these things together, to stand together with, sort of like in the sense of fields uh, in, in physics. Um, so we've seen that he's before all things, which is necessary to be fundamental to all things, not as an add-on before the foundation of the world, and he holds all things together um, um, in, in the sense of, uh, of being, you know, uh, integral to the creation as we observe it. Okay, so let's move ahead to Hebrews 1. 
And I'm going to read, um, I'll start at um, verse 1. We'll read 1 to 3, and then I'll also read part of 4 and verse 7. And even there's a verse 11 that kind of connects all this. So we'll, we'll look at all those real briefly. So Hebrews 1, um, 1 to 3 first. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, um, whom he appointed heir or inheritor of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory in the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his, of his power. So this is a direct parallel passage to the Colossians 1 uh, passage. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then um, a little bit further on, and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, to connect this, he, it may be that he upholds all things supernaturally by infusing uh, the opposite of disorder. That's a complicated statement. But, um, you know, the, the, the radiance of his glory is what comes to mind here. If you look at uh, the transfiguration in Matthew 17, just real quick. Um, I mean, we already had a hint of this in Genesis 1, where in Genesis 1-3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So he, it was like he was releasing uh, his nature. Uh, in... Um, Matthew 17, uh, look at these verses of the transfiguration. You get another picture of his, of his nature. Um, 17, and uh, let me just read 2 to 3. And uh, Well, I'll start with 1. And, his, and six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And so that's the transfiguration. Let's look at uh, Exodus 24 just real quick. Exodus 24. Um, I'll start at verse 9 of 24. Uh, then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the skies itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God, and they ate and drank. And so look down at uh, verse 17. And to the, to the eyes of the sons of Israel... The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. We've made this reference before to the sun, thermal radiation, and, and, and fire. But uh, the appearance, and, and it's not like they saw the fullness of God directly because we're, we're a couple of levels removed. The appearance of the glory of the Lord. So they're seeing the appearance of the glory of the Lord, not the, and this you know, would be like the pre-incarnate Christ, probably. The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire. That's just like Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is a consuming fire. 
So we see this throughout both Old and New Testaments. Okay, I've got a couple more, but we just don't have time. Um, So some of the words are like the other passages, like God. It's the same word for God, uh, the divine one or the divine being. His son, huios, a primitive word, primary word, a son, from the same as assigned or you could say established lineage. So that's another way that we know what a son is. So a legal heir, a descendant, having a sonship. And the, the word heir here, um, heir of all things, Jesus is going to inherit everything uh, when he comes back. And so heir here means inheritor. He's going to in- inherit all things. And again, the word for all things is the same. The, the, the negative of nothing. Um, when, it, when he says, uh, you know, after he spoke long ago to the, the fathers and the prophets, in these last days, what does that mean? Well, um, the Jews understood the last days to mean the time when Messiah would come. Well, he, at this point, he had, been, he had been here. And so it's the time of the Savior's uh, coming. The days of the Savior's uh, coming. Um, through, again, is through, we, we've already talked about this, on account of, because of, made to make, created uh, the world. Now, that word world is a little different here. It's the word ion, A-I-O-N, which means worlds or age. And from the primitive root, apparently meaning continued duration or space of time. And so it's not just static substance, it's static substance dynamically over time, if you will. And so it's actually space-time matter and energy would be one, by extension, would be one way to to describe that. The time-dynamic world or space-time, so a lot bigger than just some static uh, little piece. And he is the radiance of his glory. And think again to those verses that we looked at. Um, That word radiance is apogasma, which is radiance. Thanks a lot for helping me there. Uh, You could also word this uh, outradiating brightness or sunlight. So it's it's from two words that mean away from and brightness. So brightness projected, if you will. His glory, um, which is his majestic brightness, really, uh, and the exact representation of his nature, that word exact is the word character, spelled with a K uh, in the middle there, character, uh, which is, relates to like a tool for engraving, uh, the exact representation, uh, character. Um, <clears throat> so that's one term, exact representation is that word character, which is interesting how similar uh, it is. Um, And um, lost my place. So the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things, which is an active sense. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And then when he had made purification, he sat down at the right hand. Um,
There's some other connections here I'd love to talk about, but um, like his power, dunamis, the miraculous power or strength. And uh, in verse 7, when it says his ministers, a flame of fire, um, you know, the word uh, for, um, I can't pronounce it, but for his ministers is like a public servant. Uh, And it's from two words that mean uh, agents of action. So that makes sense. It's the exertion of his power. Um, uh, uh, as a flame of fire. And we've seen the connections to flame and fire in those other verses that we talked about. So that's those three passages. How how can we possibly um, summarize this? Well, we've seen that Jesus is the first principle, the first cause, as Newton would call it, or prime mover of creation. He was there at the creation itself, and he continues to uphold it. Um, by the word of his power. Jesus is the preeminent creative and upholding power in the universe. In him, all things hold together Um, in his strength. He is fundamental to all creation. He provides that fundamental structure that we saw in that one passage about thrones and dominions and things. That's organizational structure. Um, And so um, he's essential integral to the foundation or basis of the universe. He's like that underlying uh, uh, maintainer, really, of the universe as we see it. And the point is that the universe isn't like this mechanistic clock that runs on its own, wound up. Yeah, but remember a clock, you wind it up, and what does it do? It winds down, and so it wears out, too. So he upholds things against that disorder that we see in the second law and, and uh, entropy. So he's, he's maintaining the universe versus in order versus the disorder uh, of uh, the second law of thermodynamics. Things run down. So it's a supernatural infusion of energy uh, and that the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire and judgment, uh, as in 2 Peter 3, 7. And all things are being upheld by the word of his power in Hebrews 1 that we just that we just read. So, he is the originating active source of order and upholding in the universe, unseen and omnipresent. Um, He fills all things, Ephesians 4.10. We have a great high priest in Hebrews 4.14 who has passed through the heavens, so he's bigger than all this. And uh, the last passage, I mean, Hebrews 11.3 is really one of the two, I'll have two verses to stop here. By faith, we understand, so that's a strong word. It's not just know or think. By faith, we understand in Hebrews eleven three 3, that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So the unseen, powerful word is what um, prepared the world, and it's how Jesus uh, upholds it, by, his, by the word of his power. And in Revelation 22, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the first, the agent of creation, and the last, the inheritor or heir of creation, the beginning and the end. Okay. I didn't leave any time for you guys. Um, So any questions or comments? Hey, John. At the right hand. At the right hand. 
complete. Exactly right. Yep, exactly right. Even though there's William Mays sitting down. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's why he's seated. No, that's a great comment. Anybody else? Jeff, would you close this? Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening.